0: Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into The Name of God is Mercy by Pope Francis, a profound exploration of divine compassion and its central place in Christian doctrine. As the 266th Pontiff of the Catholic Church, Pope Francis brings a unique perspective to the table. Being the first Pope from the Southern Hemisphere, and a figure who walks a path carved with substantive conversations on mercy. Listeners will find themselves immersed in a candid discussion on why mercy is considered the most vital attribute of the divine, as conveyed through insights from the Bible and the Pope's personal observances. This book isn't just an academic exploration. It is a spiritual guide for those seeking solace and understanding in the concept of mercy. With his commitment to spreading the message of mercy, a theme that has sparked both acclaim and controversy, Pope Francis's voice resonates beyond the walls of the Church, offering guidance not only to theology students and individuals in pursuit of religious clarity, but also to anyone interested in learning more about one of the world's most influential religious leaders. His authorship, marked by notable previous works, such as The Church of Mercy, Walking with Jesus, and Corruption and Sin, Some Thoughts on Corruption, indicates a dedication to addressing core issues facing faith and humanity alike. In this intimate testimony of faith, listeners will be encouraged to reflect on the power of mercy and its transformative potential in our lives. Join us as we explore the rich tapestry of themes woven by Pope Francis in The Name of God is Mercy. The Name of God is Mercy, Pope Francis' Appeal for Peace and Hope. Introduction. Mercy as the very essence of God. Imagine stepping into a world where your deepest flaws and mistakes are met with not just forgiveness, but a loving embrace. That's the picture Pope Francis paints when he speaks of God. Elected as the leader of the Catholic Church, he has stirred the hearts of people across the globe by portraying a divine image that is profoundly merciful and compassionate. Pope Francis, born Jorge Mario Bergoglio, reaches into his own life experiences and the sacred scriptures to share a vision of God that may surprise you. Instead of a stern judge ready to mete out punishment, he presents a God whose most dominant trait is mercy, a willingness to love us and extend grace, regardless of our shortcomings. As we journey through this enlightening narrative, you'll discover the reason holding on to anger might be robbing you of joy, how envisioning the Church as a battlefield aid station can transform our approach to faith, and the critical importance of steering clear of corruption's destructive path. Part 1 Discover why mercy trumps all in the divine realm. Delving into the diverse qualities ascribed to the Almighty, one might list patience, kindness, and even omnipresence. Yet one attribute stands out distinctly among the rest mercy. This very essence of God's character overshadows every other aspect, defining the core of the divine nature. In the countless moments where the divine could oscillate between justice and mercy, it is mercy that invariably prevails. Consider the guidance from Ephesians. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This powerful counsel encourages us to release our grievances before nightfall. Misinterpreted by some, this passage isn't a concession to nurse grudges, but rather a directive to forsake them, subverting the image of a wrathful deity for one who embodies forgiveness. Mercy serves as the vital bridge between humanity and the divine. It's not through indignation or hostility that this bond is forged, but through the compassionate and forgiving nature of God. This mercy is a lifeline, preventing us from descending into a whirlpool of sin, assuring us that our existence bears significance and affirming our perpetually cherished status in the eyes of the Creator. This divine clemency prompts within us a desire for contrition, not for fear of damnation, but to align ourselves with a life of virtue and purpose. Grounded in the confidence of God's endless mercy, people are inspired to engage in acts of kindness and justice, as echoed in the Psalms. He executes justice for the oppressed, he gives food to the hungry. The promise of a divine response to our pleas tempers the human tendency to take justice into our own hands. Humanity's imperfect grasp of mercy pales in comparison to that of the divine, and hence, Crucial matters should never be left to human discretion alone. The exhibition of mercy as opposed to wrath is also a testament to divine strength. This principle holds true for us as well. In sending Jesus, a being in human form, God provided an exemplar for humanity to emulate, teaching us the true power inherent in mercy. Part 2. Embodied Mercy. Jesus' Example for Humanity. In the tapestry of narratives surrounding Jesus, a common thread weaves through each, the theme of mercy. Representing the divine in human form, Jesus showcased God's mercy through every action and parable. One of his core messages was that he walked the earth not to mingle with the self-righteous, but to reach out to the sinners and the unwell, the marginalized who otherwise felt abandoned. Take the account of Jesus and the lepers. Shunned by society, considered untouchables. Lepers lived in utter isolation. Yet Jesus broke social barriers, approaching them with compassion rather than the prevalent fear of contagion. His touch was not only one of healing, but a powerful statement that no one is beyond the reach of God's mercy. On another occasion, a crowd intruded upon what was intended to be a private retreat for Jesus and his disciples. Instead of turning them away, Jesus saw their need, like lost sheep without a shepherd, and offered them his guidance, placing their needs above his own plans. Forgiveness, Jesus taught, should not be an act of counting but a state of being, urging us to forgive infinitely, or as the scripture says, seventy times seven times. He challenged the rigid application of law with the higher principle of mercy, suggesting that even laws should give way to compassion. Consider the story of a woman caught in adultery, subject to the severe judgment of stoning according to the law. Jesus addressed her accusers with a simple challenge Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Here, Jesus reminded everyone of their own fallibility and redirected their impulse for punishment to self reflection and mercy. Even in facing his demise, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is commemorated as the epitome of merciful love, an act to redeem humanity from its sins. It's now become the church's sacred duty to perpetuate this legacy of mercy, to be a sanctuary for the outcasts, just as Jesus was during his earthly ministry. Part three, the church, an instrument of divine mercy in the world. At the very heart of the church's mission lies a profound responsibility, to extend the mercy that God embodies through its leaders and followers alike. Bishops and priests are entrusted to mirror Christ's empathy and unwavering commitment to serving those in need, to act in persona Christi, that is, in the person of Christ. It is through the spirit and actions of priests and confessors that God's mercy cascades upon humanity. Pope Francis recounts the story of a prostitute, a former member of his parish, who found a sense of dignity when he respectfully addressed her as Senora. Despite society looking down upon her, these simple acts of respect affirmed her inherent worth and reminded her that she, too, has a place in God's merciful gaze. The crucial task for priests and confessors is to draw people into the fold of the church. A misstep by a confessor, an insensitive question or a lapse in compassion, can push souls away, as it did for a woman who turned her back on confession as a teenager after being questioned invasively about her private life. Such disillusionment can lead individuals astray, increasing their susceptibility to sin and distancing them from the path of righteousness. Pope Francis envisions the Church as a universal field hospital, a sanctuary for healing, where the spiritually and physically afflicted can find solace and restoration. Recognizing that not everyone can reach out for help, the Church must make itself accessible to all, beyond the limits of urban centers, reaching into the peripheries like prisons. The Pope's commitment to reaching those in dire straits is symbolized through an olive branch carved by prisoners, representing peace and hope extended to even the most forgotten. The Church has the duty to be proactive, offering guidance and support just as a parent does for a child, and to be especially present for those who need it the most. Part 4. Embrace the Endless Reach of a Father's Divine Love Picture a love so vast and so unfailing that it embraces every kind of person, no matter their past or the mistakes they've made. This is the kind of love that God holds for humanity. One that is often likened to the deepest, most unwavering parental love. The Bible is replete with imagery and parables that draw parallels between God's love and that of a parent's. In Luke's Gospel, we find the Greek lexicon calling upon a word rooted in the same origins as that for a mother's womb, illustrating an affection as strong and natural as that felt by a parent for their own child, especially in times of distress the book of Ezekiel presents another poignant metaphor. Jerusalem, represented as a young girl forsaken and on the brink of demise, is nurtured to flourishing by God, only to reject that care through sinful behavior. Yet even in the face of betrayal, God offers forgiveness and reaffirms, you will continue to be the chosen people and all your sins will be forgiven. This parental essence of God's mercy Often first touches us through our own parents, who, rather than judge, aim to patiently guide us toward righteousness. The narrative of the adulterous woman further exemplifies this mercy. Jesus, addressing her as one would a struggling child, did not condemn her, but urged her to a life free from sin. In the traditions of the Eastern churches, the confessor embodies this parental comfort by draping his stole over the head of the penitent and drawing them close, reminiscent of a reassuring embrace, an act that eases fear of judgment and fosters. An atmosphere for sincere confession. As people grow and seek out different expressions of love, the concept of divine affection remains an ever-present offer. Regardless of age or circumstance, all are invited to seek God's boundless paternal care. He is ever-present, waiting to welcome those who come forth in repentance and yearning for forgiveness. Just like a father with open arms. Part 5 Embracing our imperfection opens the door to divine mercy. The journey to experience the depth of God's mercy starts with a simple, humbling acknowledgement. We are all, without exception, imperfect sinners in need of divine guidance and love. Our collective story of imperfection traces back to the biblical narrative of original sin. According to this tale, Adam and Eve's defiance against God marked the entire human race with an inherent frailty, leaving us predisposed to the lure of wrongdoing over the pursuit of virtue. It's crucial to recognize that while sin may be our common heritage, yielding to it willingly is not what God desires of us. Nevertheless, even more detrimental than the sin itself is the denial of our susceptibility to sin. Pretending immunity to transgression is a delusion. God, in his profound understanding, is not only ready but eager to extend forgiveness, knowing that our nature makes us fallible. Pope Francis, in a moment of shared vulnerability, once confessed to prisoners, Standing before you is a man who has been forgiven for his many sins. His openness exemplifies the very essence of receiving God's mercy, admitting one's sins. The striking narrative of the prodigal son elevates the sinner who seeks redemption above the consistently righteous. In this tale told by Jesus, a father rejoices in the return of his wayward younger son with a celebration that eclipses the steadfast presence of the older son. The father's declaration, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, reveals the transformative power of remorse and the act of coming back to grace. Therefore, although sin may be inevitable, succumbing to it without resistance is not our fate. We are challenged to make conscientious choices, striving for righteousness, even in our natural inclination towards vice. By embracing our imperfections and repenting, we unlock the vast embrace of God's mercy. Part 6 Understanding the Distinction Between Sin and the Peril of Corruption Sin and Corruption while sometimes conflated, are fundamentally distinct in nature. Sin, in essence, represents a momentary lapse, a slip in moral judgment. Corruption, on the other hand, is a deliberate distortion. It is a state in which an individual has rationalized their wrongdoings to such an extent that they not only deceive those around them, but also attempt to hoodwink the divine. The corrupt individual often adopts the guise of Christianity or other forms of piety as a mask to camouflage their sins. This is not the same as the spontaneous act of a sinner, rather it is a calculated part of someone's identity, making it significantly harder for the corrupt to turn back towards redemption. Corruption frequently orbits around the relentless pursuit of money, prestige and power, forsaking the virtues that Jesus advocated. The tantalizing nature of these worldly gains makes them nearly impossible to renounce for someone who has invested their life in their chase. To admit their hollowness is to confront a life potentially wasted, a realization only made harder by the spiritual void that distances them from God. The corrupt often entrench themselves within a cycle of self-serving actions. Breaking free from this cycle is a monumental task. It typically takes a momentous event, or a profound personal crisis, like the loss of someone dear to catalyze a re-evaluation of life and a plea for divine forgiveness. Beyond the individual, corruption's tentacles extend outwards, causing societal harm. A corrupt person may protest loudly when victimized by theft, while failing to perceive their tax evasion as a comparable offense. Through such hypocrisy, Society direly feels the impact of these unethical actions. A thief might seek repentance for his steal, but if the corrupt remain fixated on the faults of others, ignoring their own, the community suffers more from their continued egocentrism. To overcome corruption, one must resist the ego's insidious whispers and return to a path paved with empathy and care for others, a road that leads away from self centered corruption and back towards the light of compassion and humility. Part 7. Embracing Compassion as the Balm for the World's Wounds While it's true that as mortals we cannot match the boundless mercy, patience, or love that is characteristic of God, there is a virtue within our grasp that can bridge that gap. Compassion. By following in Jesus' footsteps, we have the power to infuse our world with acts of kindness and understanding. Imagine if society pulsated with empathy, more attuned to global afflictions, rather than being preoccupied solely with personal grievances. It is this active engagement with the world, reminiscent of Jesus' ministry, that holds the potential to deter malevolence at its roots. It's during our moments of pain and perceived injustice that the true challenge of compassion arises. The impulse for retaliation can be strong, but the gospel reminds us of a higher calling. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Abandoning the primal law of retribution, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, prevents the spiral of endless vendetta and creates space for healing and peace jurisprudence bound by love is as essential as legal governance. Jesus exemplified this by consistently placing love at the forefront, even when it contradicted the actions prescribed by legal experts of his time. His teachings underscore the call to love indiscriminately. If we all share the stain of sin, who are we to dispense punishment upon our fellow sinners? Rather than unleashing sin unrestrained, we are urged to rein it in with tenderness and rehabilitation. Sin wounds us all, and divine mercy presents itself as the ultimate antidote. Each act of compassion we extend to others softens hearts, nudging them toward openness to God, igniting the first sparks of spiritual convalescence. The Christian journey, at its core, is a test of our capacity to exhibit compassion. In the wisdom of St. John of the Cross, it is love by which we will ultimately be measured. In the evening of life, we will be judged on love alone. Final summary. Diving into the core of this narrative, one truth resonates with clarity, an understanding that mercy is the definitive attribute of God and the lesson Jesus came to impart as his living testament. Through embodied mercy, God's interactions with humanity are painted with strokes of forgiveness and gentleness, extending an invitation to mend ways and walk the path of righteousness. This message holds a profound relevance for us all, as every individual carries the mark of imperfection. Our unity in sinfulness beckons for a treatment soaked in mercy rather than stigmatization and retribution. Embracing this divine directive casts aside anger and vengeance and instead cultivates a world fertilized with compassion an essence that truly has the power to heal and restore. In the end, as we navigate the complexities of existence, mercy emerges not only as a divine attribute to worship, but as a human quality to emulate. It's our greatest challenge, yes, but also our most rewarding pursuit, as it defines both our relationship with the divine and with each other. Ultimately, when the dusk of life descends, it is by the measure of love merciful, compassionate, and boundless, that we shall be judged. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast